So welcome to the Love Fly podcast. I'm Paul Tizar, Fear of Flying Coach. And today I am absolutely honoured to have a very special guest, somebody that I've been following for a long time. I'm a big fan of his, uh, Captain Ron Nielsen. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Paul. It's a it's a pleasure to talk with you. Do you know, I was working out, I was looking at when I first started running Fear of Flying courses, I was looking around and I sure. realized that you'd always been doing it. You'd already be doing it for 10 years before me. So you're like, I'm like your offspring. <laughs> well, I'm old enough, I'm sure, you know, that, but that's another story. You know, I uh, serendipitously got involved. I was uh, I was minding my own business as an airline mm. pilot. I had been with one airline here in the United States. They had they had, had failed uh, financially, and so it necessitated me moving. So I moved to the Phoenix, Arizona uh, locale. There was a fella. There were a couple of people who were in management. They weren't pilots, but they invited me to to, to take a look at, at this. It was a small airline like the airline I had worked for, and they said I think you'll like mm. the environment stuff. Mm. So I did, and within within a year. I was able to upgrade to captain, which was fantastic. And uh, and and this friend, one friend of mine, was a therapist by trade, and he was the employee assistance program director. So mm. he managed all of the employee assistance programs in the at the airline and would refer them out to clients and yeah. whatnot. And so mm. he said, "Hey, Ron, I got a psychologist up in Scottsdale, which is a neighboring town." He said he's going to start a fear of flying program and he's looking for a pilot. Would you be interested? And I thought, yeah. well, whatever, you know, yeah. I I'd never given it any thought before. And uh, to make that part of the story short, 35 years ago, this wow. past August, he, he invited the, the psychologist invited me to, I think it was his first class. And, uh, mm. and I just did a two hour Q and a, and I was so moved by the people there, you know, and I had no idea, even though when I look back, I, I happened to go to training here in the Phoenix area. Yeah, 50, 52 years ago, this past summer. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying a number with 50 in it, you know, but anyway, and I'm 74. But anyway, but but uh, I couldn't, you know, as I started to work with the psychologist and just do this little two hour Q&A initially, mm. um, then, then I could recall some like my first flight in a jet airplane, you know, and like, yeah, I can, I could see my own fears. But anyway, so, so out of that, he and I did more and more together. And we dribbled along until the year 2000, when his practice got too busy. By that time, I had not, well, let me back up a little bit. The first, and in the first month that I helped him, the airlines had started a program called Human Factors, or we yes. called it Crew Resource Management. And we were starting our own airline, our, our own operation at the airline. And mm. so I, I was selected to do that, just became enamored. So here I am. I'm nothing but a but a pilot, a stick pusher, you know. And and on the one hand, I'm invited to talk to people who are afraid to fly. On the other hand, I'm 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 invited to learn how to talk to pilots about psychology of of performance management and not killing everybody. <laughs> and so there I was. So it inspired me. I ended up getting a master's in, in uh, professional counseling and a certificate of graduate of advanced studies in human resources. And mm. I parallel that throughout the rest of my active career. And, it, and I literally knew then at the ripe old age of, I think I was about 48, 50, something like that what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Like, like yeah. I was saying, what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I yeah. have been totally in, in, enamored with that ever since. And, and when I retired, I have, I'm busier now than I ever was flying and enjoying it more. I, there's nothing more fulfilling to me than working with people in, in, in fear, basically. Yes. But, but yeah. It happens to be fear of flying. So you got you know, I was afraid to public speak at one point in time. So now you got yeah. to get the hook not, to get me Not now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there's something about you that I think they spotted. Yeah. I, I've listened to some things you've done. So when I started back in 97, I was at a look around, see what other people were doing. I came across some of your stuff. And there's something about the way you, you come across very uh, empathic. And so this yeah. is way before that whatever training you talked about. This is early doors, you know. 
and I'm yeah. not just doing this. We have an expression in the UK, which I'm not. I'm not just trying to blow sunshine up you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. An aviator's version is I'm not trying to blow smoke up your tailpipe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. So you know, but I generally thought I can see why it came your way because there's something about you. You, you seem to really care about the people that yeah. you're helping. And, and I don't, no disrespect to, to the pilots that I've worked with. I mean, all pilots are fantastic, <laughs> but many don't get it because they think, what are you scared of? You know, I know yeah. it's safe. So yeah. the fact that you've made that, that leap, that connection, I think that's what, that's what makes your stuff so powerful. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, and I, and I know that on on a level, you know, people used to tell me, well, you're so enthused all the time and you're, you know, so happy, you know. And then as I got older, I saw I had the wrinkles to go with the, the, the smiles. So that was one validation. And but the, other, but the problem is, you know, you're always inside yourself. So you don't realize you're enthused, you know, and, and anyway. Yeah. But, you know, re regarding the pilots, I, I can certainly identify. I'm a little bit... I've done a lot of personality instruments. I used to teach that with pilots, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it was always amazing. You know, it was very insightful for me to see how pilots are really, they're, they're taskmasters, you know, either very organized and more, more reticent or organized and more directive. And in, in, I don't know if you're familiar with the disc personality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're D's and, and C's, right? You know, of course. and in the general population, I saw a thing that said, you know, there'd be 15% D's, 40% I's, 30% S's and, and 15 uh, C's. So on the one side that the pilots in, in the, in the representative population, you got 50 or 30%. I used to give that to pilots 75%, right? So we're literally wired to do something naturally you know and i'm on yes. the other side no, no surprise i'm a, I'm a big is over there and and so so yeah and what you say about pilots it's not only that they they don't understand it but it it's not that they don't care or anything so much it's but they just literally don't know what it's like to be no. afraid to fly you know and no. and that's and that's what i got to do in the airline industry mm. i got to work with these guys and and uniquely i got to work we we used to have a, a computer bidding so, so for a trip, if you had a pilot and a co-pilot, you'd have two separate lines. So pilot would get it, first officer would get it. And we, sure. and we offered at our airline, we were the first one to ever do this. We said, if you don't, if, if, if you were a first officer and you were scheduled to fly with me, or you knew who, at least who was, and you'd heard bad things from your buddies about me, said, ah, he's kind of a jerk in the cockpit. You know, you don't want to do that with him. <laughs> you could put down my ID and the computer would bypass you. So we would never fly together. And as you can imagine, uh, short-sighted pilots never realized the computer might run out of some people, and it did. And so I was, I was uh, afforded the opportunity to work with those fellows that didn't, that people didn't want to fly with. And it, you know, it wasn't that they were jerks so much as that they were so highly skilled and task-oriented. Same kind of mm. thing. They couldn't even imagine mm. what it was like to be another human being sitting next to them. You know. And so it, I've got some of the my my dearest friends today are some of the people on the no fly list, yeah. you know. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard of that. Never heard of that. Yeah. But yeah. it makes it makes sense, it, you know, because like I said, I have massive respect for pilots, and but all the ones I've worked with when I've run nervous flyer courses have been amazing. You know, they've been amazing yeah. guys. I mean, they can they can yeah. do the flying bit, of course. Sure. But they the ability to to link and connect and understand what might be going on and not to laugh. Yeah. You know, that's the thing because you can hear some, you can hear some questions, which you can think, wow, that's just like, where the hell's that come from? But exactly. and it's just to be respectful, isn't it? To think, well, to that yeah. person, that's true. You know, that's what they're scared of. Yeah. And I use a lot of humor, but, but as you suggested, I, I, I've always made myself the brunt of a joke if it, if it requires somebody to be that way, you know, and I remember yeah. right after 9-11, not surprising, one of my largest classes ever, and there was a, a, a woman in the class, and bless her heart, you know, I would go around the class and I would say, you know, so what's your trigger, you know, and she said, well, I just, I just don't understand when we take off, it just, we climb and it seems like we're, we're going to go all on forever to the moon. And I said, if we could do that, I said, we wasted a lot of money in the space program. <laughs> and she laughed and, you know, yeah. I said, it, it seems like that, but it's only because of the uncertainty and your brain doesn't like uncertainty. And, you know, mm. and, and if you, and you can't hold it at, at fault, 
for something it doesn't have any experience with, you know? Yeah. And I tell people, you know, the problem with fear of flying big time is, is it's hard to normalize something you're only going to do a rare number of times, you know? And yeah. you're only going to yeah. do it in the back with crummy little windows, no forward visibility, yeah. and no yeah. idea of what's happening to your body in these and mother, you know, gravity, mother earth, gravity is just constantly pulling on you in ways that you, if yeah. you do that, if you experience that in an automobile, you're out of control. Mm. So why wouldn't you be terrified? So, yeah. yeah. So there, there you go. So these are nice. I knew that about you. I knew when I was listening into your stuff, I thought he's, he's going to have some really interesting ways to describe it. Because one of the things that I know is that you've got to build trust very quickly. So yeah. you've got some slight advantages being Captain Ron, but then from then onwards, yeah. Yeah. it's like what you say and you know, do you make do you raise people up or do you kind of make them feel a bit small? And you're very good at making people feel safe, and uh, that's, yeah. that's just good stuff. It's been an interesting journey. So obviously, I did a little bit of research, but I'm kind of I'm interested in sort of what have been the significant moments along the way. So you started uh, years ago, uh, and then as you've then evolved you, i see you've done lots of different things how, how did all that happen <laughs> that's that's someone who it's like a blindfold who i didn't know where i was going you know i, I mean honestly <laughs> you know the, the, i inherited some some structure from the psychologist you know and and evening before that i've done a lot of personal work of my own i've been on the other side of the couch if you will and uh you know i've had failed marriages i i, I realized as an adult that i had been uh, sexually molested by my grandmother uh, paternal grandmother when i was young so mm. lots of you know and and yeah. um you know yeah i have some flashbacks but the validating things are when you look at your life and you and you start to notice what you remembered and then you think, why did I remember that? You know, mm. the mystery of the brain and the amygdala and how it says, don't forget that part. We don't want to go through yes. that again, you know? So, yeah. so I think that and learning from the people that I coached, you know, who had a fear of flying, that's trained me. My formal training, I love that. I'm a professional student. I, I you know, I probably read a hundred books on neuroscience. I'm, an, I'm a junkie for neuroscience and psychology. I listen to podcasts, including yours, you know, and, and so I like to learn and I like to teach. And so I, you know, and I, I finally figured out that, that we have two ears and one mouth and there's a message, you know, so you can't tell it from when you're interviewing me because you can't shut me up, but, but, <laughs> but I do that. But, but you mentioned the meandering. I have meandered yeah. a lot. I've, you know, yeah. what works, what works. Yeah. And what's interesting to me you know, the people, it's like when I was an instructor pilot in the military, my first students, <laughs> they suffered all, all my learning curve, you know, as an instructor, you know, <laughs> I, for the, for the rest of my life, I'll, I'll apologize to them. You know, the guys who got me later in my career got a better product, you know, sure. And, yeah. and same thing with students. And, and what I learned, and, and I'm really kind of coming into my own, even now, as I speak, mm. What, mm. I was fascinated and I love to learn. And so your first, my first inclination was to go spit that out in front of everybody and call that fear of flying, you know, instruction. No, no, they, you know, your, your job, my job is to listen and then yeah. not get caught up in my own enthusiasm mm. and try to figure out, okay, what will make it the easiest and shortest process for them to learn. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I think today it's much better than before. So I still love learning. I, I could, you know, I could talk to you for hours about, about the, the amygdala and, you know, experiences you've had. Yeah. In what I do crazy things. Like I tell people to write with their, with their non-preferred hand, you know, mm. and they're like, what does that got to do? And I said, just stick with me, you know? And they said, tell me, tell me what you notice when you're afraid to fly. And, and most people can't even do anything beyond I feel terrible. I just, mm. you know, I have the, I said, that's your biology. That's your smoke detector. That's your alerting system, you know? And I said, so just write that down. What do you want me to write down? I hate this. This sucks. You know, I said, we're going to take it out of your brain, down your non-preferred arm and out onto the paper, you know, you, you because you, when you internalize that, you can, yeah. you, your mind can go a thousand times faster than your hand. But I said, mm. just putting it in the, putting the pen in your opposite hand 
yeah. causes you to use reverse the, the, the motor transmission from the different hemisphere of your brain. And I said, that slows you down. And I said, if there's one thing you got to do, you got to quit thinking so fast. I said, and I tell everybody, you know, and it's true. I said, the, the unfortunate thing is you're brighter than the average bear, you know, or bulb. And I said, we got to dumb you down a little bit because you're so far ahead of your, uh, of your present moment. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. I always used yeah. to say, some of the people that come on, the, uh, say you, you're overthinking. Mm. You're probably too intelligent for your own good. Your imagination's yeah. like amazing. Yeah, yeah we, had, we had an expression growing up when you were a kid, you know, your parents would say, you're too smart for your own good, you know, and, and it, was, it was a more pejorative expression then, but, yeah. but, but that's what I tell people, just as you said, I said, you're too smart for your own good. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you know too much. You got. We got to slow that analytical part down because yeah. you're way, way, way ahead of yourself. So anyway, so how many people do you reckon you've helped? Because it, it's obviously going to be many, um, many thousand. What would you, have you worked it out? Yeah, you know, there's no way, obviously. But if I did it, if I just just kind of pulled some numbers out of my tailpipe, so to speak, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say probably, I'd say probably, I've, I've at least touch the lives not counting the internet and people that have looked mm. that i wouldn't know mm. but i'd say over the 35 years probably ten thousand, something like that now yeah. i haven't worked one-to-one -one with all of them you know that's classes yeah. that's that's broadcast yes. you, you know things like that and i've probably actually flown with in the classes where i've actually flown with them mm. probably, that's probably pushing a thousand people Wow. Yeah. That's We're amazing. I've seen them one to one. Yeah. 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 It is amazing, you know. And that's, um, a lot. that's a lot of people out there. Yeah. Yeah. That, exactly. That and uh, you, I'll, if, if you got time, I'll interject one other story. You, people said, well, how did you, why did you think you were going to, what made you think you were going to be a counselor? And I said, well, long before this, when I was a first officer and you flew with many different personnel, I said, mm. on one level, we always said every first officer should get an honorary degree in psychology for having to fly with captains. Yeah. Managing upwards. Yeah. Managing upwards. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> I said, there's one particular day that, that kind of summarizes my experiences. I would, I found that people would trust me, you know, because what are you going to do with somebody you've never met and you're, and you're sitting three feet beside them for a month. You know, mm. and I remember this one particular captain, a uh, little short guy, chain smoked three packs a day when you could smoke in the cockpit. I mean, it was yeah. terrible to be around. But we're <laughs> flying and I'm thinking, OK, Sunday morning, all I want to do is read the paper. All we had to do was go to Denver to Atlanta, which is about three hours. And, and we, we no more and get leveled off. And he starts talking to me, you know, and he, he wasn't a man of many words. He was very, very uh, reticent himself. And he starts telling me the story about his his son being in the we're going to georgia of course the state of georgia in the united states we're going to georgia and and he said my son is in the state penitentiary for murder having killed his ex-wife and her boyfriend or whatever you know and i'm like i just wanted to read oh. the paper <laughs> <laughs> that's what i found people people yeah. are, are, in my whole life people have opened up to me and they feel safe yeah. and so whatever it is yeah it, that's why and so i just yeah, said I, I, I did was formalize it <laughs> yeah i think sometimes you need the people have already worked it out there's, there's yeah. obviously something about you but then sometimes it helps and i've done yeah. the same thing i think i better get a few badges just so i feel like i'm, I'm okay to listen to them but they're not bothered by these things because they either trust you or they don't and they which exactly. they clearly do yeah exactly yeah and that was really important when i was a captain and when i was teaching new hire pilots and and pilots who would upgrade to captain you know i the new hires in particular you know and they're you know when you get hired at, a, at an airline level you're you know that's more like the master's level of 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 aviation so you've got a lot of experience and oftentimes you probably could do a better job than the guy in the left seat but he got there before you and and one of the things that i always wanted to impart with the new hire pilots i said and i did some activities but i said i want you to think about today and i want you to think about a time when you were flying it didn't matter which whether you were the guy in charge or the assistant that for whatever reason you couldn't share with him what was on your mind or ask him what he was doing or something yeah. like that yeah and i said i want you to think about that and i want you to figure out what it was that kept you from doing that and and deal with that because they said that's the whole reason for you being here is the the most viable yeah. backup system we've got 
And so if you can't do that, I said, you know, and we have history of, of you know, the worst accident in history in Tenerife was two 747s that ran together because the captain on the one wasn't sure whether they were cleared, but he said, ah, we're probably cleared. So anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, so well, that's, I think that's, that's, I that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's why as a captain, I wanted to make sure that, that, that we had a really comfortable arrangement in the cockpit so that he felt safe with me and would mm. say things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's obviously something you give off and it's something that I particularly value about commercial aviation. And whenever I talk to people in other industries, they don't believe me. And I say, it's literally like you have your most junior cabin crew person could phone the captain and say, there's a weird noise. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd say, okay. Yeah. They wouldn't say, who the hell are you? Right. It would just, right. It, and that's so rare. And I think it's those little things like that, plus yeah. all the backup system and all the capacity or redundancy, yeah. as we call it, as you know, that makes people feel safe. And so Absolutely. people like you being able to bring it to life. And that's, and that evolved in my, in my career. I, yeah. I felt very fortunate. Yeah. I suppose mm. people who lived in the 1800s always feel like they witnessed a great advance in technology, but I saw some of the greatest technological advances. And I also saw some of the greatest advances in human performance. Yes. And that was one thing that they, the airlines focused on because we used to have people who were not that receptive to, you know, mm. a flight attendant or whatever. And, 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 and yeah. I used to yeah. tell the, the folks that I flew with, I said, you know, if, if something happens, you know, I, I got to make the final decision, but I said, we won't go unless you're comfortable, you know, yeah. and, and, and you, and I need you to believe that. So then you had to find yeah. some lower level practical things where you could show them and they could see you really lived, you know, you lived yeah. the, walk, not, uh, the talk, not just walked it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's so important that is, and I've been very fortunate to meet, I mean, I've met some very confident pilots and stuff and you can imagine that that would be quite off-putting and i know the public i used to i'll tell you a story there was we used to have a couple of pilots that spoke with us and i literally think they had such an air of confidence about them they're ex you know ex-military uh to come in i think if they'd said i don't i think what no matter what they said they the public would have gone fantastic because they were like the stereotypical <laughs> Like, you know, right. if they said this, if we haven't got any engines today, ladies and gentlemen, but it won't be a problem. They would have said, yeah, we trust you. And <laughs> exactly. I, because, you know, there is that sort of, you know, that, yeah. that sort of robust confidence, yeah. you know, and, um, yeah. and I think that can be quite helpful for people. But I also was very heartened to see the more humble pilot yeah. who could just, who talked about it because they cared and they were just very procedural they did their checks. They were happy to take instruction from others and open to feedback and that yeah. sort of a person as well. So there's a place for all types, but the, the thing which is non-negotiable is that sort of idea of safety first, safety first, safety first. And that's, that's what you've been doing. Well, <laughs> yeah, it would, you know, but, but, you know, one of the things that I say to people who are afraid to fly is that, you know, I, I happen to be a Vietnam veteran and, and, you know, when I grew up in an era with World War II movies that glamorized so-called heroism, charging the machine gun nest and all that. Yeah. And what yeah. really got me interested in aviation was the, was the flying movies and fighter pilots. And so that's what I really mm. wanted to do and mm. got to do that in the military. But, but I tell fearful flyers, I said, you know, courage isn't, 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 you know, charging the machine gun nest. Courage is moving forward in the face of fear, you know, and I said, that's what, that's what inspires me. When I see people, and you know what you've probably seen, it's a relatively short cure for some people to get comfortable in an airplane. And to me, that's exhilarating to watch people yes. who absolutely positively didn't have to fly. I don't care how yeah. inconvenient it is, you do not have to get in an airplane and they do it. And you watch the exhilaration, you know, in a relatively short period of time. So it's, it's mm. inspiring to me. I said, those are the courageous people out there, you know, yeah, and there are I agree. equivalents in life, you know, people have serious illness and, and things like that. But so, so I don't mean to put down aviation or anything that would be silly, but, but, you know, you charge a machine gun nest because you're going to get killed if you don't. So it's, it's, a, it's an easier choice than getting on an airplane sometimes for some people. I've always said that to people that you can't, you don't have to fly, you know, you can manage your life without it. Many people do. You yeah. can get pretty much anywhere around the world avoiding flying if you're determined, yeah. you know, you don't mind putting the effort and the time in. Right. Um, but it's about choices, isn't it? And that's, it is that's what we do. We give people choices. Yeah.
So yeah. tell me, if you were to think about, you've had lots of successes with people, but if you were to, could you think of a couple, who's the one that comes to mind, you think? Oh, wow, wow. Um, let me, like you said, I've got a lot. Just, just about any, I mean, I, I flew with a fellow just the other day. He, he lives in Albuquerque, which is uh, by air. It's an hour away by driving. Mm. It's about eight hours. And he drove <laughs> over to Phoenix and we went, we just went to Los Angeles and back with about an hour, hour and 10 minutes to LAX and stuff. And, and, uh, and he was petrified, you know, and I'd worked with him before and he, he hadn't flown with COVID. I have a lot of people at COVID just, you know, it, it yes. reset, if you will. Yeah and uh and which, which is a big problem and so i said he said how about if i come over there can we jump on an airplane go so we did that and and within literally minutes you can you can watch him and 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 like most men he, and many of us and women too but men in particular we're good at compartmentalizing and internalizing that yeah. you know so no matter how miserable we feel on the inside and the outside you couldn't tell and mm. he's, he's like that you know and i said how you doing robert and he says not very well and he said but i'm gonna get on you know and so we get yeah. on and, and of course one of the things i try to do is talk about anything but flying at some point you know because that's normal you know mm. so i get him talking about his his upbringing and i'm genuinely interested in it you know he's sure. got a fascinating life history like all of us you know it's not the the facade that he's a he's a fairly handsome man he's he just turned 50 and in all that you know and but you get him talking all that and 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 even though you know he didn't stand up and and there was no parting of the of the clouds and the doves flying through and anything like that to him he just wrote me a note he was in town his his parents have a, a home here and, and his mom came with him and um I mean, she lives over there normally, but anyway, and he just, he was going to spend the weekend and all. And he just wrote me a nice little text this morning. He says, thanks again, Ron, for, for spending time with me on Friday. That every person like that, yeah. I, there's not a yeah. day you probably know yeah. there's not a day that I don't get a text, an email, yeah. or sometimes a call. And they'll say, thanks for everything. Yeah. And, um, and that's, it's just like, wow, that's cool. You can't, you can't get depressed when you've got people who no. care that much, you know? No. I, I must admit, I went through a bit of a wobble for a while thinking, you know, a bit of imposter syndrome, you know, this, my oh. journey. Yeah, you know what I mean? Thinking, what am I doing this for? And, you know, I'm, I, I, does this help people? And then you get those messages. Yeah. yeah. You just don't know. And, and people that you can help that might download some of your online stuff or, you know, listen sure. to your, your weekly, um, you know, your free weekly yeah help yes. that you do yeah, yeah that might be enough and you'll never meet them and they'll just no, they'll no, they, no. off they toddle As you know you know mm. I, it came to me suddenly you know when you're working with people in australia they're not likely to get on an airplane and fly to your class in phoenix no <laughs> so no yeah you mentioned imposter i that was what i grew up with i was you know i was a star athlete firstborn male in my family and all that you know but but all of all the achievements seemed hollow you know, mm. for various psychological reasons. And, yeah. and it just carried over everything. Every time I get a new achievement, you think that's going to be the one that's going to make me feel less of an imposter about myself, but it never would. And, yeah. and, and it carried over into this. And then finally you think, yeah, you know, maybe I do have some redeeming social value. <laughs> yeah. And finally you start to believe, and I, I, if you've ever heard this, but uh, you teach what you most need to learn. And so yeah. I'm really teaching people how to get over my own fear. Yeah. That's really interesting. Very yeah, profound. And, and sense of not being enough. Mm. You know, mm. that's what it was all about. So. Now, I always say, I say to people when you're, when they've done some of the programs I've run, go and tell other people about it, but choose who you tell. Yes. Because, um, you know, the best way to learn anything is to teach others, as Stephen Covey would say, as you know. Yeah, but absolutely. But the, there is sometimes, there is this sort of, you, you change shape. So when yes. you come off, when you, you do something different, you know, I used to train assertiveness and I used to say to people, do not expect people to be grateful that you're now assertive <laughs> because you've been a certain shape, a certain way of operating. And now something's changed. And it's the same. If you've had a fear of flying, your family, your partner, everybody knows you for it. And now when you say, I'm not interested in that near death story you're about to tell me. I don't know what to do with it, you know, so you, but, so you have to be really careful, don't you? Who you tell. Absolutely. Is, absolutely. You know, how I dare think, you get over it. Yeah. I think Aristotle just talked about anger and he said, you know, 
anger is okay. It's the difficulty is knowing the the right time, the right person, the right way to deliver it, and the and yeah. the message. You know, that's what yeah. makes anger tough. And I think most mm. of us grew up. Well, at least I grew up. You know, where my mom and dad loved each other, but they couldn't resolve conflict in a healthy way if their life depended on it. You know, and so I grew. So like many people, I grew up kind of afraid of anger. Stay away from it. And of course, you're then you fall victim to it yourself. Yeah. You know? but, yeah. But it yeah. was more about seeing people act it out rather than express mm. it in a healthy way. Mm. So yeah. Mm. And, uh, the other thing about you mentioned that I liked was uh, talking about people have it within them. And, and there, there's a fellow, uh, Milton Erickson is one of my, my yeah. favorite. And he had, he had that, that story we talked about as a youngster, uh, there was a big, horse came up in under their property. You know, if you've ever read that, and he, he, he was quite a horseman himself, about 12 years old, jumps on the horse, kicks it in the slats. It goes running down, galloping down the farm road. And about four miles later, it pulls up into a farmer's yard. And the farmer comes out, and says, how'd you know that was my horse? And he said, I didn't. He said, well, how'd you know to bring him here? And he said, I didn't. I figured the horse did. And so basically, and this is my addition, I just Love gave it. him a little motivation, kept him between the fence posts. And I figured he'd end up where he's supposed to be. Mm. And, and that's kind of yeah. my model is people have it within them. It's just our compassion and maybe a, if some insights from other people have gone before them, helping them find it. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you just need to hear... You know, often it can be something like a tiny thing, but yes. it's, they'll say, oh, you know, once I found out about, I don't know, TCAS or something, that was it for me. But yeah. actually it wasn't, that wasn't it. That was the, yeah. that was the point. Everything yes. that led to it, everything they've done. So people used to say, how can I get over a fear of flying in a day? And I say, well, you don't actually, but right. you're already on the journey. So yeah, we're yeah. at some point that one day course is somewhere along that journey. It, right. It's a, it's a really good turning point, but it's not everything, you know, it's a process, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more. It's a process for people. And, and mm. so I still give 15 minute coaching, free coaching sessions, you know, and, and, and to me, the, the thing I want them to want to leave with is the courage that it took for them to do that for the first time. Because I know yeah. myself, you know, and 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 I that's what I leave them with is it's a process, and you know, you taking the first step. Why do you think we see more women on our courses than men? I see about two women for every one man, and that's increased. But but I I see the same thing. One yeah. men are less likely in some cases. It's the strong silent types, right? You know, mm. I don't air my laundry and in, in dirty laundry in public. Still, the female proportion of pilots is very low. It's get it's increasing, and I've had quite a few female pilots on here that I've interviewed, and I ask them the same question: What's going on? You know, why? why? And and I'm just interested. You know, have you got any theories? Why? Why? It's... I got more than a theory. Those same personality inventories that we used to give, you mm. know, and I would see high. Uh, um, um, D's and C's, D being uh, direct and, and yeah. C's being conscientious, mm. females, same profile. So they're mm. women who manifest a lot of the same personality traits and they operate very much the same. So, so they're, you know, and, and I used to tell them, I said, number one, if you're female in here, you had to go through a much greater scrutiny than I ever had to do. You know, you yeah. had to be better than better, you know? And the other thing is I said, you have an advantage if you use it, you were socialized or culturalized as a, as a female. So, so you have some opportunities that a lot of men don't feel that they have, you know, to be sensitive, to be compassionate. It may be at times when we wouldn't. So, yeah, I think they're, I think their pilots are great when they're female. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, here's my, I've, I've got, I distracted myself there. So the yeah. question I was going to ask great was great to help with that. Yeah. You're great. Yeah. You are great. Yeah. <laughs> So the, in the UK, I've got a fairly good idea. If I had to say the top five fears, I could pretty much nail them over the years. What, what would you say the top five fears are of flying? Okay, turbulence and takeoff, without a doubt. Yeah. The first yeah. two. Peril right with them is the fear of confinement. All of them have to do with lack of control. But yeah. So I have a group, used to be 35 years ago when I started, there were more people that I re recollect had issues with the, the structural integrity of the airplane and flying and the 
training and all that kind of thing, maintenance and all that. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say at least three quarters of the people were more of that ilk than, than that. And the, the other people were more claustrophobic. Mm. So it's changed then. Yeah. Reversed yeah. almost completely. Uh, and, yeah. and they all, they all share some of those elements, right? Nobody mm. likes, if you think the airplane's going to break when you get in it, nobody likes the door to be shut and you can't get off, you know, but, yeah. but, but more people identify now, just the whole notion of when I become aware, either closing the door or from the, the PA or the, you know, if I can't see the door closing, that that is my point of no return, if you will. Yes then their anxiety goes up. And, and, and I, I see like this, sitting in the boarding area, they make the announcement that soon we'll be boarding, ladies and gentlemen, Boop, spike in anxiety. Yeah. Okay? And then depending on where you're at in the boarding order. And then when you get on the airplane and then they close the door, mm, spike in that. And then for mm. some people, then it, mm. a, a third spike at takeoff. Yeah. And, it, and if they're stuck on the ramp for any period of time, two minutes or more, sometimes, you know, <laughs> they immediately, neg you know, catastrophize and they think yeah. that so that's another spike, you know, if there's, if they assume the worst, but, but, but so, so uh, fear of, of being closed up, confined, canis, however you want mm. to just uh, alliterate that takeoff for sure turbulence for sure and then when they complain about landing it's not uh, you know every almost everybody says when the pilots come on and say we'll be landing in the 30 minutes or whatever every uh, i said if you if you need any we survived more another i said i said it's just as likely something could go wrong there as it was in the first hour and a half or whatever you know but if there's any indication that you need that it's all up here that there's yeah. nothing greater than that but when they yeah. complain about that's a good point it, actually that's a good yeah, point okay. When you so I said, all you got to do is, is move that part to takeoff. <laughs> you know, that ah, we're on takeoff. You know, if you can convince yourself that now it's all that all downhill from. But but with that with landing, it's uh, it's concerns over the the uh, the the maneuvering. So if I've got a crosswind, you know, uh, or just a or, or turbulent, mm. you know, the lower I get to the earth, and the closer I get to the touchdown point the greater distinction I can make, whether I'm one way or the other. So I say, you know, so if you were driving the boat, you know, mm. what would you do is you got closer and you saw you were off this, you'd make a pretty significant connect connection because you want to touch down on the airport or on the yes. runway rather Not than near it, rather than near <laughs> the airport. I said, so that's, so that's why you want a perfectionist as a pilot who won't settle for landing near the airport. So, yeah. yeah. But, the, but yeah, those, are, those are really four. What takeoff, turbulence, uh, that part of landing, and being confined. So those are the four that mm. I see, and and everything else is kind of a variation of that. Yeah, I'd say it's turbulence was definitely up there. Yes. Uh, obviously, I would have put said not being in control. Well, oh yeah, kind no, of, I didn't even it, say yeah. Oh, oh, you put it as a kind of an overarching like. Yeah, I say under umbrella. I said yeah. control underlies everything. I said yeah. you know the yeah. human brain does not like to not be feel it's in control of its own destiny. That's it. You know, yeah. and with that, then uncertainty. So if yeah. I don't know what's happening. It triggers mm. lack of control. And if and 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 if I don't know why you're doing this on final or what why the airplane is being shaken miserably or why are all these forces overwhelming me on takeoff with the noise and the vibration? Yeah, mm. control is absolutely fundamental. Yeah. Do you know, it used to be, well, so something I noticed, which was interesting. So after September the 11th, we, we had quite a few questions around, obviously, the Twin Towers, but not yeah. as many as I was expecting. I was Same really here. surprised. I was really surprised. And, and it's still, it will still come up, but it's not in the top five. Same here. My first class was like uh, my, my I was supposed to give a class at the Phoenix airport that night. Ah. And I had a volunteer helping me and I, I wasn't even watching the TV. And she said, Ron, have you been watching TV? And no, she said, turn it yeah. on. So I turned, you know, and yeah. then I had people, former clients and people in the class and stuff. I said, well, you don't have to worry about tonight's class because the airport is closed off. So we mm. won't even have in the class. Mm. But I said, they said, what should I do? I said, are you watching TV? And they said, yeah. And I said, quit it. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Don't watch TV anymore. But it's same thing. So when I got to the first class that we did hold after that, the next month, people, I thought, I thought we'll be bogged down the whole night. 15 minutes. That was it. 
out of a, out of a two hour class. And yeah. you know, it was enough. Everybody got it. That was it. That was mm. not related to, to something that over which they had control. And therefore they kind of had to let go of that, you know, and not very no. likely. And I, no. and, I, and I said, now, if you can just transfer that to flying the airplane, you don't have control. I'm never yeah. going to give you control of the airplane, no matter how much you beg me, because that would not be prudent, you know, and if you can do that. So, so another, you know, another issue is trust. Obviously people have trust yeah. issues. Mm. You got to give it. You know, I joke with people, if you didn't have a fear of flying, you know, you came with somebody tonight and you weren't afraid, by the time you get done listening to me, you may have a, a fear. I'm yeah, sorry. That's, a, that's your promise. Or your money yeah. back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll always leave you with something that you never came in with. So. Well, yeah. I have come across people that, you know, cabin crew, and not pilots, but some cabin crew that develop the fear because they've started to watch all the human factors training and then saying, we learn from everything but you've got to see what happened to learn from it. And that's enough to some to think, oh my goodness, you know, should I worry about that? And it, it goes because they the, the training kicks in and they start to realize, okay, so that was a rarity. We learn from it, we move on. But you do see it's very easy to educate yourself into being scared of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, well, let me tell you a quick story. Another one of the roles I got was like the in the corporate human factors expert what we had a we had a we had a, a boeing 757 with four flight attendants on it and two pilots of course they took off they were headed from from phoenix to baltimore about four hours or so and uh and on takeoff they had an overheat light come on which is not the same as a fire but it's still not routine so they sure. just pulled the engines back the pilots you know leveled off turned around came back and land and and it took them three hours delay to get a new airplane so subsequent to that now this is this is four months later i get an invite from from this the the vp of safety at the airline he said i'm having a an unusual circumstance we have some flight attendants none of those four flight attendants has gone back to work you know and it sounds like ptsd to me and that was my real specialty when i was getting my masters and stuff because of my sure. own experiences so so we had a big a big name and we had the supervisor who was on duty that day for the flight attendants we had only one of the two pilots the other the other fellow couldn't make it we had people from other departments who were interested and and we had the vp of safety and me and so they're there so they're we're debriefing the 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 encounter or the the activity and one of the flight attendants, one of the questions that came up was, you know, they, they, since they hadn't flown since that time, you know, they flew the trip to Baltimore and came back and they said, well, what was the problem? And one of the girls had come to my, my class, you mm. know, so that's how I became familiar with it. And they said, in one of the, one of the flight attendants made the statement, well, you know, in retrospect, I, I shouldn't have flown you know, and the supervisor, a young, young fellow, you know, and all got all defensive. I asked you if you were okay to fly. And what I said was, I said that the, the, the dynamic when you're, when somebody has traumatic stress is that yeah. they're the least qualified to judge their own behavior, sure. you know? Yeah. And so I yeah. said, that's yeah. one thing. And I said, and so I asked him, I was curious. I said, why did you fly that day? And, and we were, they were at the lower end of the pay scale, not only in the company, but in the industry as a flight attendant. Mm. So everybody assumed, and they, and if they had called off, they could have called off, but they wouldn't have gotten paid. So everybody assumed that they didn't want to give up the money. This is the most fascinating thing. I get goosebumps even to this day. What they said was, is we, in those three hours, we bonded with those passengers mm. and we wanted to see them to the conclusion. Nice, yeah. that is lovely. Yeah. It was unbelievable, unbelievable. You could have blown people over with a feather in that mm. she said mm. that. And even I was surprised, even though I'd been through that in my own regard and stuff like that, and studied a lot about PTSD, it was, it was really yeah. uh, impactful to hear the reason that they finished that trip was to, to be with those people. Well, yeah. I think you reminded me of something when you're talking, it's not kind of related, but I was thinking about something that happened a few, quite a few years ago. There was a flight and it, I think, I can't remember if it was like a, evacuated them for some sort of, so they were, weren't sure what it was. It was some sort of smoke came off and sure. they evacuated everybody. They got them all off, but just by chance, I was at the airport and me and a load of others, we we talked to all the passengers as they came off and just said, look, you know, 
this is, this is fine. The captain came over and just reassured them and they're all fine. But we're not going to fly today. So we'll put you up in hotels, et cetera, et cetera. And then tomorrow come back. Sure, sure. They got off absolutely fine. They went to the hotels. Sure. Came, you know what's happened, don't you? They came back the next day. Yeah. Most were fine. There was a small group who said, I'm not flying because I got back to the hotel. I watched it on the news. And now I realize that how close to death I was. And I said, okay, look, can I just stop you there? Right. right. Yesterday, when I spoke to you, did you think you'd had a near-death experience? Well, no, but then I thought, yes, so, so, so your real experience, you're in the moment, what right. happened? And then they relayed it. I said, so what's happened now is somebody who wasn't there has told a story and now it's fed your fear. And now we need to do something pretty immediate because you cannot let this take hold. And it just, it was, it was such an eye opener to me that how powerful the media can be and yeah. how much we have to be really careful about what we take in. Absolutely. You know, so Absolutely. you can't watch anything. You can't not Google stuff. You cannot, cause it's, it's feeding the brain. We're very visual creatures yeah. and that's it. But we start to associate with it and it's screwed basically. I was yeah. trying to think of a better term, but that's all I could manage. No, no, screwed is the, that, that's the technical term. <laughs> With all your years of training. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I couldn't concur more. And, you know, it's the what ifs start, you know, and I, and I, 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 I share those experiences. So I tell people, whatever you do, I said, you're not going to be able to insulate yourself from those stories and stuff. But I said, try to catch yourself and become more mindful of, okay, I'm here. I'm watching the story in that case about me. And yeah. so, so you have to become your own defender there. And, and, and the other thing is I tell people when you fly, cause I, I, when I, when they do the little coaching, the 15 minute coaching, I have a little, a little six question thing, you know, and one of them is, you know, was your experience from whatever, or was it from a bad experience? And many, many people talk about a bad flight with turbulence and not surprisingly, they were going through a divorce. They were, they were having some trauma in their life or whatever, yeah. unrelated to flying. But anyway, yes. I said, when, when you, when you have those experiences, you know, you're more vulnerable. And, and so if you should be on a flight from this point on, and let's just say it, the turbulence, you know, you're normally good, but it just racks your brain that day. I said, you should, you should obligate yourself to catch the pilots. One of, usually there's one at the door when you depart, you know, and say, hi, is this a good time for a question? I always, I always like to have people in control of even when I ask questions and, and they say, sure. I say, you know, back there a little while back, you know, when we were bouncing around, I was scared to death. Did I have anything to worry about? I say, if you can debrief right there, yes. yeah, you can leave the trauma on the airplane behind you Brilliant. instead of taking it with you. And now it's going to fester and grow into something much larger. And every time you hear a story about turbulence, you will immediately project yourself into that story. And they, yeah. and they will pick the most, the, the most hysterical passenger that got off the airplane. And he will say, I thought I was going to die. Well, of course you thought you were going to die because you didn't know what was going on, you know? Yeah, so, I, yeah. so I tell people, when you listen to the stories, try to get into where, what their experience was. They, yes, of course it was frightening to them. They didn't know. If you could have seen them on the airplane, however, they probably never said a word. Because no. we tend to freeze rather, because we can't flee. We can't fight. You'll get in trouble for that. And the only thing left is to freeze. And we're not very good freezers, right? You know, a, a small rodent, you know, pray for a fox. They're very good at freezing because they don't have conscious awareness. We have conscious awareness. So while we're freezing, we're thinking, what if, what if? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I said, the freeze is the worst thing we do, but it's our only choice in an airplane. Yeah. So. You've got so much wisdom. I'm going oh, I'm, I'm to, yeah, I'm going to press. Can I press you for one or two things I'd like, actually, because we kind of, I can't believe how quickly the time has flown, but I, I want to say two things and I'd I'm love to I'm enjoying it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, well, you're great. You're great. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. that's great. Uh, so the some sort of top tips. So, you know, like if you had to give some sort of like messages, so people are thinking, right, what's Captain Ron's kind of main messages? I'd love to get those. And the second okay. thing is the best way for people to get help from you. I'm just, um, you know, I want to come and see you. I haven't got fear of flying, but I want to see you. I'm crazy probably, but 
I'll give you my phone number if they want to. That's one thing. And I, I tell people that when, when they do a 15 minute call, I say, if we never meet again, I want you to know that you can have my personal cell phone. You can call me or text me. I don't, and it doesn't have to be about flying. I don't care whatever mm. it is. Mm. I'll tell a funny story about that before. So fall on phone, uh, fearlessflight.com. Uh, but, but just Google me most of the, you know, I'm terrible at the marketing end of this and all that. Cause this is what I love, you know, yeah, I'm getting yeah. better at that, but, but yeah. yeah, so they can Google me, uh, Captain Ron at fearlessflight.com or email me at Captain Ron at fearlessflight.com. And it's C-A-P-T-R-O-N. I abbreviated the, the word captain. So, and I'll, I, I, I that's great. So, yeah, yeah. so give us some top, give us your sort of like, and then you say, this is Captain Ron's wisdom. Okay, okay. Uh, I, and I stole this as I do, have done most of every, everything I teach, but, but you know, the, the, one of the, the, the guiding um, forces in my life is this, and it, it, it goes like this, it's, you know, life is not about what happens to you, it's about the decisions you make about what happens to you, and I'm sure you've heard that. So I, in some variation, I try to tell them, you know, it's not about flying. If you're flying has nothing to do with the airplane, you know? It's all about the decisions and the story that you have told yourself. So that's yes. what I try to help people do. I say, you need to, you know, what makes us unique as, as a species is the ability to have narrative, you know, first to be able mm. to speak and mm. to be able to have the, the conscious awareness to formulate speech, you know? So it's the story that you tell yourself and, and it's, like a, it's like a great book. You can rewrite your story simply by changing the way you think. And, and so my tagline, one of them is, you know, overcoming fear of flying is about changing the way you think about flying. And, and once you do that, you know, your life will change. So, Brilliant. Now, now, you can't leave without telling us the story about your phone number now. Uh, oh, 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 my gosh. So <laughs> I, I think I had, I had done a, just like a free coaching session or something with a, with a young woman named Tony. And, and I have a, I finally got a book out and, and on the back is a, is a dedicated statement to Tony. Anyway, so she, they were, they were in Raleigh, Durham, or yep. Raleigh, not, not Raleigh, Durham, Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, I think. I, I don't know even a word. It's, my geography is terrible. And, and, uh, but prior to that time we had spoken and she said to me, she said, or I said to her, I said, call me if you ever need to talk to somebody, you know, yeah. like as I do with everyone. And, and so this one morning, there's a three hour time difference between the, the East Coast and, and Arizona here. And so she, I get this call and it, I'm going to say it was five o'clock in the morning, something like that. And I, I happen oh. to be up, you know, and I see the phone. So I picked it up and I answered it. And so I said, hello. And now you, you can imagine, you can picture this by what doesn't happen on the, so she didn't say hello right away. She said like this, she's, I said, hello. And she, you could see her saying, I told you he would answer the phone. <laughs> and it was her husband there. She was with her, her two daughters. They were both below the age of 10 and her husband, and they were relocating. Her husband had transferred jobs. So mm. they bought a house in Boston. So they mm -hmm. had about an hour flight, two hour flight going up the coast. And it was, and she was frantic. They were at the airport, just ready to get on. And so she said, I told you he would answer the phone. Oh, and so that's God. my, that's just one of my favorite stories. And as a life, as life would allow, <laughs> only life, she, it turns out years later, and this, this is at least 15 years ago now, and we're still very dear friends. That's what I love about the, the thing. I have people on the other side of the world that I'll never meet face to face, but if, yeah. we, if we met, we'd, we could connect in, in a heart. Yeah. So years later, she, uh, we, we had stayed in touch, moderate touch, and I, I had a stepson that went to school up there, so I actually had a chance to meet them face to face years later. And then subsequent to that, she found out that she was adopted. She did, had no idea up until a certain point in her life. And it turns out the, 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 she was the only one out of a family of, let's say, six children or seven children. And her mom decided she just couldn't, a very difficult decision, I'm sure, mm, and so mm. put her up for adoption. And they all reconnected in Phoenix. Extended family happened to live down here, just down the, the road from me. And so I, we, I went over there and we did an interview about that and just had a wonderful time. So that's, <laughs> I, you asked me yeah. before, what's one of your most memorable? That's probably one of the most yeah. memorable. And she's yeah. just, just a delightful person, you know? Mm. And when, when you meet, you know, when you meet fearful flyers, they're so vulnerable, 
you know, you, 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 I, I tell them, I know I'm, I, I visualize me holding you in my hands, you know, your, your essence in my hands because they are. And that's what I believe, you know, in, in any relationship, yeah. vulnerability is what connects people. Yeah. Yes. And you have to be, and I get this real sense that how respectful you are of where they are. And yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah. I because I think the thing that comes through for me really clear, and I bet lots of people pick this up is this, this sort of humility and this, yeah. you know, you've got this real desire to, to help. And it's just on the receiving end, it's just lovely. I hope you keep going for another 50 years. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I do too. I do too. Because I'll set some records. <laughs> That'll be good. That'll be good. <laughs> He's still helping. He's 120. He's still helping people. <laughs> right. And I'm being, you know, if people ask me to describe yourself in a couple of words, I would say humble and authentic. Those are the two of the mm. things that I value the mm. most. Being genuine. Mm. But, but, and I'm not saying this just because you, you said that to me, I get the same sense in the first five minutes I listened to you in the podcast. Oh, you know what thank I mean? you. I, I don't think I'm, I, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. You just, mm -hmm. you know, I read once where we make 11 separate assessments about a, another human being when we meet them in the first seven seconds, you know, that's how quickly the brain, and it, we're not necessarily right all the time, but, no. but it's right for us. But, but that's what I think, you know, and I, I know that's my experience. Oh, and there's only been a couple of people in my life that that where I was wrong about that, you know, mm. that I judged them in an in a, and I say, you know, would I like to spend more time with them or not? And, and it's too. And one of them is my best friend. She just lost her husband, who was a pilot friend of mine as well. But yeah, but I, I get that same thing from you. I do believe. You oh, thank that. you. Very thank you. Point. Well, the trouble about being trying to be humble is the minute you think I'm trying to be humble, you've not been humble. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so, the most humble people, the person you'll ever meet. Right. And that's why I think I come across that way because I feel so passionate. Yeah. I see myself in others. I see mm. fear in others. And, you know, mm. I, I mean, that's my biggest challenge in life was fear of not being enough, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing, I was scared when I emailed you and I said, Ron, I said, I admire your stuff. Would you do a podcast with me? I don't think, I think there's plenty of people out there. And I was just so, uh, um, flattered that you came back I mean literally time zones permitting you were it was in a heartbeat you were back saying yeah I'm up for this I, I like yeah. collaborating there's plenty of people out there need helping so I'm, I'm very honored thank you turnabout's fair play because I was totally humbled by the fact that you asked little old me to do, to do that you've been doing this longer than I have <laughs> I know but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean I'm good at it <laughs> it's just uh, well maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know if that's true I don't know. Yeah, that's that humbleness again. There it goes. Yeah, I appreciate it. But, but, but I, I've been validated a hundred times in just the time we've been talking about what a good decision it was. And it, But I do, I do believe that certainly when you look at the numbers of fearful flyers, we need not fight over them. No, I agree. <laughs> and, I agree. And, and I read a study. This study was from 1980, and they estimated in 1980 dollars that the airlines collectively, and I think it was just domestic U.S., left $2 billion on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't yeah. fly because they were afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are, you know, that's pretty close. You get, you get 2 billion, you got almost, you got real money. You know? Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a serious thing. So uh, I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you so You're much. Ron. It's been an absolute blast. I can't believe it's been an hour. It's been, it's been <laughs> super fast. It's been great. And I'm, I can't wait to release this one. So thank you very much. And uh, okay. if I can do anything to help your mission, please let me know. Funny you should ask. I said, guess what? <laughs> now, the worst thing for you is you're probably in bed by this time, but at 630 uh, Pacific, which is 930 East, I think, I think right now, this time of the year, we're plus eight hours behind you. So at 630, mm. that's well into your sleep pattern there. But right. so if you're ever, you know, you tell me when you're crazy enough to stay up that late, I would love to have you because I have a show every week at, 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 at on Tuesday nights on Facebook. I would love to have you tomorrow night. I mean, you know, but, but no, I would definitely, I'd be up for that. I'm up for that. Not tomorrow night, but I would no, no, definitely, no. definitely, I'd love to yeah, do that. Be I will, I, yeah. I'll be there. And, and I'd like, I'd like to keep the collaboration open. You know, if you ever want to 
talk to someone. I'm totally, totally. Cause I'm, I'm literally, I mean, in this past couple of years, I feel like I've, I've completely reinvented my myself and what I do for people. And I feel more successful at it. Like I yeah. said, I feel guilty about the people that went before them, but you know, <laughs> yeah, they're all, they don't, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, thank you very much, Paul. It's been a no, Ron, it's been amazing. Captain Ron, thank you very much.